everyone. Before I start this week's episode, I wanted to talk to you about an affiliate. I'm excited to connect you with Deb Flaschenberg. She is a gifted yoga teacher and a leader in the prenatal yoga field. Deb has created a self-guided online course called Who's Afraid of the Pregnant Yogi? And it's meant to help yoga teachers integrate prenatal modifications into an open-level yoga class so they can truly be seen as an expert. This training is essential for every yoga teacher who wants to make their classes warm and inclusive for everyone. I believe in Deb's work so much, she was a teacher of mine actually for both my pregnancies, that I jumped at the chance to be an affiliate. So you can check it out at whosafraidofthepregnantyogi.com and when you sign up using my code, Kids Podcast, you will also receive special access to a one-hour prenatal yoga class, perfect for seeing the pregnant student move through a whole yoga class. Again, that was code Kids Podcast. Thanks, everyone. to the Kids Yoga Podcast, the place for all things kids yoga. My name is Jessica Mujis, and welcome to the show. This week, I've got my first repeat guest, Laura Hawkeiser. If you haven't already, please go back to episode six and check out her interview. She was the second interview I ever did, and she gives so much insight into being a kids yoga teacher and finding her voice as a kids yoga teacher. But today, we're going to be discussing her business, Flow and Grow Kids Yoga, as well as a passion project that she's undertaken during this global pandemic. And we just want to talk about how she's adapted, too, during these very, very challenging times. So, Lara, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jessica. So glad to be back. It's so nice to have you back. I, as I said, you're my first repeat guest, and we've actually been trying to record this for months, <laughs> I think, since the pandemic began. Hashtag but pandemic I'm at, life. <laughs> yes, exactly. But now that I think of it, this is actually a really good time to record it because you're kind of further into this pandemic life, and I think you probably speak to it even more. Um, so I, I just wanted to kind of start and ask you about your business, Flow and Grow Kids Yoga, and how you've adapted during the pandemic. And now that it's been, we're like five months in, so just how has that been going? It's been a wild ride. And I, I even want to extend this to what I'm seeing my teacher training graduates also doing, because it's very interesting what is available for work versus like what we believed would be permanently sustainable working with schools. And that was truly something I never thought would be taken. Um, and of course there are still some opportunities to be in school. So I don't want anyone listening to think there's no point in work, like, you know, trying to work out those partnerships, but schools have no clue what's next. And at least here in New York, um, the early childhood schools can't have people that don't work for them come in. So everyone's trying to offer me part-time jobs. I'm like, oh my gosh, no, uh, I need to focus on, you know, kids yoga and mindfulness. And yeah, so I think it is a really interesting time to talk about this because 
five months ago, what I was doing is so different than now. So I almost want to give you a timeline of that. And then I want to tell you about what I'm seeing in my graduates that just came out of their 95 because it's like, wow, there's so many different things than like our old model, which was for most of us, you know, these partnerships in schools or like you were doing Gymboree, these places that we were attaching to fixed establishments, we assumed were not going anywhere. So when I first found out all my schools were closed, like March, March 10th or something, I was like, okay, I got this. I have a pretty big following. So I'm going to live stream some classes and get people to send in donations if they can. And I did a whole bunch of those. Um, and I actually went really well um, in terms of turnout and just getting people to donate what they could and get a lot of people in that didn't have any money that could just be part of those. So I loved that. But there was a lot of marketing and like each class took a newsletter and like it, it just was a big operation for a decent turnaround. But I also noticed looking around the industry, so many people had that as their sole earning potential as doing these like online classes at that time. So I really decided to step back from that and open that space for those that needed to do that. Um, and at that time I had canceled an in-person teacher training in several different um, cities and states. So I had about 20 people like, Hey, we either want a refund or something. So I was like, all right, I'm going to just run this teacher training online, the foundations course. And most of them participated. And at that time I was getting basically stalked by somebody who ended up taking my 95 who said, I know you're a registered children's yoga school, get this thing online. So I it literally from finding out about the pandemic to deciding to do it was two weeks. And then from deciding to do it to starting, it was only two weeks. I had two weeks to market this thing, literally, what? but it was because we only got granted, oh um, three months by the yoga Alliance to give contact hours. So I had to throw it together, but luckily past life me, I wrote millions and millions of like just all the content I've been creating over the years. And I have, it just, I hit a million words on my Grammarly. Like it's a, it checks your grammar, um, today. And I'm like, okay, there's no doubt in my mind that I was able to put this together because I am such a diligent little squirrel. So I was in the position cause I was already a uh, registered children's yoga school to actually just market my course. There was a lot that went into it because I am a crazy person that did it in 11 modules. So I had like a lot of help getting that online. And enough people signed up that it was a little community and it just brought so much joy to my life and so much meaning. And I ended up loving it and making good money. And so I did that and I, I let go of most of my teaching because it just wasn't going to happen. I was doing like one or two Zoom classes with, with some private groups and um, that teacher training and like getting the content together. Um, and so that's more or less been what my business model has like relied on is the income from the trainings. But um, behind the scenes, I've been working with some young people that took my course that I'm like super love um, to help me with the content. So I taught her how to create classes and quality videos. And then she put it into like a whole little procedure. And so the people who take my course are invited to be part of our KidCast channel and we upload pre-recorded videos and we get a little bit of residual income. So anytime someone signs up, the creator gets like like almost $3 and I get like a buck. So it's small money, but it's over time, like looking at the work you do as something to, to make you money for a long time, even if it's small, 
in, like increments. Um, my, my e-commerce store was dead. Like I used to make sales every day on like, you know, curriculum and lesson plans, um, for many months, just because people weren't spending, but I'm starting to see that pick up a tiny bit. I used to sell very expensive, like 40, 50, 60, $70, like lesson plan units as my most popular items. And now it's really funny. Like I'm seeing five and $6 sales as the predominant sales in the store. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's sort of what has been going on with, with me, uh, just the trainings and putting together these like residual income sources and obviously the passion project I'll talk to you about. So, um, in a little while, but, um, also I've had to rebuild my team because between the passion project, we'll talk about that self-care Saturdays and the online courses and having to post on social and having my daughter home. Um, I couldn't just work with my designer anymore. So I have one person on work study for my spring cohort and then actually two. And then, um, one person I hired that's like a really young 20 year old, um, who's super awesome. And they've been helping me maintain, like I write everything and they post it, but I can't imagine doing all of that. So I do say, I do still think you have to spend money to be visible. And like you and I talked about before our call, like if you're parents, you can't just create your own content and just sit there all day. Like you have such little uninterrupted time. So um, that's what I've been doing. And it's actually created some jobs for the people I've trained And I also wanted to tell you what the other people are up to. So I have some people that have more job offers than I know what to do with um, over like in the Midwest. And they have so much opportunity to teach inside, outside in their people's schools because their schools are almost normal. Um, And then I have people like in the Connecticut area who are going to be teaching like with goats on a mountain and outdoors and all these creative (laughs) things. And I have people working with parks and recs departments. So there's a lot of opportunities um, and online. A lot of them are doing like little Zoom classes. So I'm seeing them already start to work in the industry right away. Um, But I do have to say there's less of that traditional bread and butter school programming, um, at least in the Northeast, which is where I live and you, you know, we both live in New York City. So it's an interesting change. Um, And then the other thing I'm seeing is everybody's making content. So whether they're doing it just to get eyes on them or to make money, uh, everyone's home now. So even people that were just teaching classes are now doing lesson plans and things like that. So it's very interesting. Not even just people insular to my training, but everybody I'm looking here. I follow everyone in this whole field on social. So I just see what they're putting out. And so I think all of us are waking up to the fact we can sell like the thing we do if there's buyers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. Yeah, no, what, well, what I, what I, I love about you and how you talk about this is that you have, you have the passion for kids yoga and you have this business oriented perspective that I, that I think it's not rare, but I think a lot of, a lot of people come into this from like a more artsy creative perspective. And then the business side can be a, a bit more of, you know, the learning part. And I feel like you, that you come into it with, um, kind of equal parts, the creative and the business. So it's just like super helpful to be hearing how you approach this and how, you know what, it's been really hard for everybody and it's confusing and kind of tossed everyone. Um, you know, we, we don't know what we're doing or figuring it out, but there is, like you're saying, there is 
more opportunity in certain ways, mm-hmm. depending where you are, depending how things are shifting. It's It really is kind of um, finding your own voice in all of this. I have to say thank you for thinking I have a business mind because I feel like most of it has been just a series of mistakes um, in between like following my calling and just being myself. Um, but there's been so many bad decisions I can look at in retrospect and say, hello. Oh, so I just (laughs) want to make sure people know, like, if you look at my website or my Instagram, everything looks professional because I like that. I like to have a high standard, but it's not like I'm making money hand over fist. I really invest a lot in trying to give something of meaning and of value. And it doesn't just, it, it's like not always the soundest business decision to do the things that feel right in terms of making quality content that kids can see themselves in. And, um, that is with the times and just sensitive to what people really are experiencing and trying to equip teachers with that really in depth um, but still sweet and fun, like some, like a mixture. And so that takes a lot of back and forth and teamwork that is, um, expensive. So if people were looking at me as a model, I would say, be careful not to use me as your exact model because you have to put out a lot. And that means your what comes back to you at the end of the day is less. And so if you want to have a bare bones operation and pocket everything, that's kind of like what people were doing before when everyone was just teaching in schools and, you know, in Girl Scout groups and whatever. And then that got taken away. And luckily I had some other things to fall back on, but that had cost me money all along where the others were just putting it in their bank accounts. I was spending it back on the business. So there's no perfect path is my point. Right. Absolutely. And I think the the bottom line is finding your own voice in this and what you're passionate about. And then it's very complicated in finding the, it's, it's kind of, it's the union of, it's like the yoga, the the kids yoga and the business together. It's not easy. Totally. And that's like the funny thing is like going in and I swear I've taught tens of thousands of groups, like literally, because I've been doing this for so many years. And, but I, I, I know I'm a teacher's teacher too. And so at some point, just letting that be my truth and just doing enough student work to fulfill that part of me and to stay relevant and close to kids, but also not spread myself so thin by trying to save the world or carry something that doesn't need to be carried because I'm passing the torch now as my job, as like my main, that's like what I love to do the most. So I'm trying to give myself permission to teach fewer student groups and then not feel imposter syndrome because of it. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. But that's the more people I talk to, a lot of people are saying like the the passion and the the mission is to spread yoga to as many kids as possible. And then a faster way to do that is actually by training the adults who are doing the teaching because then they're reaching more kids. So yeah, it's almost like once you've been teaching a while and you're, you feel like, Oh, I want to spread this. It's, it's teaching others to do the same. Absolutely. And I think mentorship is important. And so whether you're a teacher trainer or something else, when you've been doing something for a long time and you have knowledge and wisdom, it's your responsibility to pass that on. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, I want to kind of dive into like practical advice for people who 
So let's say someone who owns a kid's yoga business or just, you know, was teaching on their own prior to this and was going to schools, um, any practical advice for people who are trying to kind of completely shift their business model right now? I think that you need to look at your, like from the tech side, like if you're putting out video content and you want people to take your online classes or purchase your pre-recorded classes, you need to have a professional looking background. Like just clean your house, make sure you can be seen sitting and standing, make sure your audio doesn't sound terrible. You might need a pair of earbuds. You might not. Um, I got a professional microphone for some recording and it actually picked up on a lot of the outside noise. So I had to remove that. So it's not like the more professional, the better if you don't have a soundproof place, but, um, take what you're doing seriously and do not like waste your time. So if you're doing a lesson plan, bring it to its final iteration, formalize it in some way, type it, make it pretty. And then when you teach that lesson plan as a demo, record it as if you are going to be able to make money on it and sell it because you should always look at your opportunities to teach that way. If you're not teaching live children, especially because of course, with permission, you need to like not (laughs) just share children in videos, but say you're planning a class outdoors or online, um, record yourself doing it first, one for practice, but two, cause then you can use that and you can put it on teachers pay teachers or, um, you know, get, try to get a YouTube following or something, or at the very least, if a principal says, I'm thinking about you, uh, I'm thinking about adding yoga, I've heard you're good. Um, that, that's your portfolio. You send them a link to your teaching and make it look good and brush your hair and, you know, be yourself. But, um, I think it's really about looking at what you're working on now as something that should be a product, even if you're not going to sell it in the traditional sense, but that you are the product. And every time you do something, show up with your best. And at the end of the day, you'll have something to be very proud of. And then when you're having imposter syndrome and doubt, which I struggle with to this day, you can look back. I, I open my closet and I have literally more than 25 binders, like, uh, you know, spiral bound books that I have <laughs> written for courses and curriculum. Like I look at it, I say, okay, I'm not a fake. Like, so to create a body of work that you can show yourself and others and potentially make money on. And so that's why don't waste your time right now. This, especially like Jess and I, we have kids, we don't have privacy. If you have privacy, if you have time alone, you can do this. You got this. I love that. And recording it because if you have the time, like you said, recording it in high quality, and then you just have that, that video, the class that you're going to teach anyway. I really like that idea. Absolutely. Um, can you, can you tell me about your 95 hour kids yoga training and how I know it went virtual super quickly and I, but I know you've done more since then, but can you tell me a little bit about like the dynamic of that and how it shifted from being the in-person to the virtual and just what was that like? So I have been doing the foundations of children yoga teacher training, which wasn't the full 95. It was 18 hours since 2000 and I think 14. So over 35 times I had taught that. And then there were two other aspects of my 95 I had taught, which was integrating mindfulness into the school day. It's a curriculum I um, made last academic year for the, for K through six students. Um, And, yoga tools for social emotional learning. So those were three small workshops I had done many, many times when they had curriculum. And so I was like, okay, those are all things I want to include in this training. 
Um, but what else should I do? Because I had applied to the Yoga Alliance based um, as a registered children yoga school. And I based all of my courses on what was interesting to me um, and what they also had to hit the standards. So it was really exciting because I was finally able to make a course around my Yamas and Niyamas Yoga Philosophy for Kid curriculum, which I have been, you know, selling for years and so many schools and districts have adopted it and, and individuals, but to actually create a course, we're not just going into that, but also getting to talk about yoga philosophy and what it looks like for us as practitioners. And then if we're going to apply it to our work with children, should it be informing how we plan lessons or should it be explicit learning? And so just kind of like getting to play with that and look at that in a more deep way um, was super gratifying and um, so basically what I did is I put together 11 courses based on all of these works I had completed because throughout my career, they've sh like, these have been problems I was solving with cur curriculum, like from the, the teaching room. So I'd go into a school and I would see the issues and I would, I would add my like yoga and mindfulness solution to it. And so it really, really was so practical, like how to teach yoga in schools is its own course and it's only six hours and it's not about the methodology, which they learn in foundation is about how to talk to principals and how to write proposals and like, um, what needs to be different about your content. Like you wouldn't use the word yamas and niyamas in a public school. What would you say instead? So just exploring that and then having a course on mindful beginnings, which is all about how you do yoga and mindfulness with children zero to five and with or without their, their grownups. So whether it's in like an academic setting or a yoga studio or virtual setting, um, and so all 11 courses together are a broad view of the industry. And I thought my 95s that I took two and I thought what they were lacking was practicality. One was very like trauma centered. And I thought it just made me feel like I wasn't going to do a good enough job. And the other was very classic lineage. And it was like, did not translate to modern life. So I tried to course correct in mine. And I really think I did because I've got Literally, my spring cohort and I are all best friends. Like, we talk all the time, and they could not be more enthusiastic. And what they're finding in the field with what they've learned, and some of them were already veteran yoga teachers for kids. So, they're applying this new knowledge and they're just shining. And so, I feel so empowered that even though I was worried that my, my original plan was to do a retreat style and have everyone live like in Costa Rica with their families and have like hooks and, you know, have the training there, but I realized being online was such a lifeline for these people to come twice a week and have something positive to look forward to and to structure their lives. In the spring, um, which was like right after the pandemic hit, the people were really positive. Um, but in the summer cohort, which, you know, we're about halfway through right now, when I first got this group, everybody was like dreading life. So uncertain. There was barely any smiling, which I have to tell you, like, there's so much usually on day one. But now, halfway through, I am, like, seeing them wake up. And I'm like, okay, learning online is almost better because you can break it up over a longer period, form deeper relationships. And I'm watching all of their video submissions. They submit a, a video for every module. So I'm mentoring and coaching every single one of them, not just in what they're teaching, but in how they're filming it. So it's like... So it's such a, like, it couldn't be more timely. And then if I do end up doing in person, I'm going to do 50 hours online and the other 50 hours, like in that retreat format, because I do believe 
that the most important thing is not to just train them quickly and like set them free, but to be a community and everybody upholds, like everybody's there for each other. And we all share and like each other's things and there's no competition. We all have space. We're all individuals. So it's been totally life-changing for me because it could not be a better fit if I ever tried to find one for a job. And I am a little bit worried about the fall because there's not that many people signed up yet. And I think people are so uncertain about what's happening with their jobs and their kids. And I'm like, okay, like this is my absolute like best job I've ever had. And I just crossing my fingers that I will attract the right people to it that will be ready to commit that time because it is, you know, six to seven hours a week of of time commitment, but that seems managed. It's manageable if you can manage it, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot about that that just was um, just like lighting me up because I'm thinking, first of all, just kids yoga in itself, because I, I used to run teacher trainings myself, just that unique inspiration that people feel when they start, when they're in this community of people who all want to learn how to teach yoga for kids. Mm-hmm. It's a very unique thing. And it's... Um, to, to then translate that online. And then I loved how you said that they're then submitting videos and you're helping them film those videos. So it's just kind of this multi-level thing where they're, it, this is where we are now. The world's not going to go back to where it was. Ever. And I think on, on, ever. <laughs> online is going to be way more relevant. And as you said, I am finding that the online learning you can actually reach more people. And it, for me, say as, as a mother, it feels more doable for me right now to right, try to things online right. than to go. Yeah. Cause I'm like, like I tried, um, it's called somatic experiencing and I'd been wanting to try this form of therapy forever, but the woman was in Brooklyn. I'm in the Upper West side. Yeah, there's and no way. No, I'm, there's no way. It's just not going to happen. But now when it was put on, it was, you know, the option was to FaceTime, I was able to do it and it was life changing for me. And it just made me realize that we can, we do have this opportunity now to try things that we might not have been able to before. I have a people from Utah and Wyoming that they're like, I've been following you for literally, oh, and Mississippi. I've got physicians, retirees, veteran teachers, parents, homeschool parents. It's like the most amazing asset to the group beyond like just the true community we're building and the fact that they're being given like job skill and curriculum and the whole thing. And they're making proposals like they're ready. It's a business in a box for them, but it's like they have each other. And when they have breakout sessions or when they just talk and they do like virtual coffee dates and they have their own little Facebook group from my spring cohort where they just like chat it up and You know, I think what you were saying is so true, the inspiration you feel when you lead a teacher training, but you and I were both doing those weekend long trainings all the time. Imagine if you could expand that relationship over three months where you're talking and getting feedback. It's just like so amazing. And I do think that's what the internet is going to provide is these tutelage that yoga used to have, right? These like one on, it doesn't have to be one-on-one, but it's this Um, not that I'm a guru, right. I'm like, I don't consider that. I don't have a guru complex. I know that I, I know what I know when I stay in my lane and I always tell people that, but I am a beacon on this path and they are lit up by me and then they light their own path and then they light up for whoever they're, you know, contacting. And it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I thought that online training would be so terrible, but I have done terrible online courses too. And like 
pre-recorded just doesn't work for me. I have to connect. I have to be able to ask questions. Like I tried to do a super awesome advanced intermediate fundamentals class by Simon Borg Olivier last year. And I couldn't get through it because it was like a slow server and you never got to talk to them. And like, I just, I couldn't believe it because I felt so embarrassed that I didn't finish the course, but I need a person on the other end. Yeah. That's what it feels when people are all on the screen. Like I know zoom for people, for me, for everybody at first, like super awkward. And you're just trying to figure out what's going on. But then once you get past that part, and I think we're all past that because we're five months in, you're kind of like, Oh, okay. Oh no. It feels like I was just hanging out with people because I was like, we weren't physically together, but there is still an energetic exchange for sure that you, right. And you can see each other's facial expressions and body language and hear each other's voices. Um, we can't smell each other's stinky feet after a long day of asana, but (laughs) I'm okay with that. That's helpful. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, what was, there was another part. Oh, you said that the first the first group you had was like ready and smiling. And then the second group, it took the second group when it was in the summer, it was different. And I, right. Cause we had been in COVID. I can relate to that. Yeah. It started in July. Yeah. Right. So at the beginning of this whole thing, I don't think anyone would have guessed we'd, you know, still be be deep in it right now. (laughs) I think we were all like, oh, we can do it. We're going to be home for a month, maybe two months. And that, you know, we just, it, it was, there was a certain optimism to it. And now that we're just, okay, got it. Okay. This is, this is happening and this is going on for a while. I do feel like there's this lull. What do we do? And the, the implications of, we don't have the reliable entities anymore. We don't have the childcare and the educational guarantees we have now the freedom of choice. And so the majority of people I'm working with are public school teachers or they work in the public schools in some way in my summer cohort. None of them even know if they're going in the building or not. And so they have to make contingency plan upon contingency plan. And the amount of uncertainty, when I was asking them about their self-care games, they were like, nothing and I'm here now, but I can't smile. Like it was so, so strange because I've never seen that kind of, you, you, you were talking about the energy of a kid's yoga training, but they were so excited to be there nonetheless. And when I realized what they needed was what I need and what you need, I was like light bulb. And that's what brought me to what our next topic will be, which is like this self care. Um, so my own self care Saturdays, tell me about Saturday. it. So, I am starting a campaign called Self-Care Saturdays. Um, and so we're, I'm using, uh, actually, hashtag Self-Care Saturday, no S. And the whole point is to give a free community service to anybody that loves kids or has kids or works with kids. But all of the stuff is also applicable for adults. And so what I'm doing is I've, I've uh, um, identified 10 opportunities, 10 topics Um, And for each, I've written a newsletter and a blog and done videos, and they all come with free worksheets and handouts and stuff like that. And so I'm hoping to create a viral campaign of giving back because I just look around at the teachers that are not like the ones that are not in my training, the ones that don't have, or the ones like you, that parents that really don't have any privacy or time alone. What can we carve out of our day with or without our kids in a little little moment here or there, like I call it little M mindfulness, but these ways we can 
do daily mindfulness, little everyday activities. And so I wanted to create a framework of sustainable and easy to do things that would be interesting to children, but actually effective for adults. So I have spent hours upon hours and I have my whole team is also working on it with me because even though I'm writing the content, they have to like plug it into the social. And so it's like a whole big operation truly from my heart. Um, and I want everybody to share it. So on my website, you can sign up for the email list and I'm going to ask, and this week is our big week. We're really pushing to try to get everybody that signs up to also share it with any parents or teachers that they think would benefit from like how to do this breathing exercise or how to learn, um, good, healthy bedtime habits. And, um, all of it's through the lens of yoga and mindfulness and social emotional learning. And it's completely accessible. So the videos I make are all just me explaining how to do things. Um, and then they all come with like one pagers that you can just print out. Some are posters, some are coloring sheets, some are like, um, trackers or, you know, like the end of the day, you get to like cross off the pro-social behavior. And, um, part of what it, Part of the activities are focused on social life and pro-social engagement because children are having those important relationships severed. So are adults. So what can we do to have connection? And um, some of it's just like a mindful eating ex- uh, exercise or, you know, a breath to regain focus or, uh, you know, or energize. So it's really simple, easy, everyday things, but it is truly a labor of love. I'm working super hard on it. And I, I would be so grateful if, and I'm sure you'll put the link in the, um, in the, um, the, the show notes. Yeah. yeah I'll exactly. throw it in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but anybody that would be interested in on Saturday mornings, just having something arrive in your inbox to help you and you can use it or not. Um, and I really want people to share it because I'm hoping the teachers, the parents, the grandparents with sudden childcare responsibilities, the parents without daycare, the teachers having to make six, seven plans and worried about their health. I want all of them to have something um, from me. And the cool part is all the content has come out of curriculum I have written. So the integrating mindfulness curriculum, the self-care for children curriculum, all of that, pieces of that are in all of these. So even if you can't ever afford to train with me for free, you can take little bits of wisdom and, and activities you can do right away Um, so that is my passion project and I am crazy for starting it because I'm also like trying to launch the fall training and manage the summer one and have like all this stuff going on. So I, that's why I said at the beginning, when you just gave me the business compliment, I do bite off more than I can chew, but ambition is like, it's a double-edged sword because it, it, I, it, what's, what makes me feel alive. And it's also why I'm so tired. (laughs) No, absolutely. Well, before before we recorded, well, first of all, I want to say it, it sounds amazing, and I'm absolutely going to you know be posting about this and spreading the word, and it, it feels very manageable. And rather than feeling like uh, this overwhelming thing, like uh, to add to your plate, it just feels like something you can relax into, and there's no pressure. And so to look I love forward that. To. Yeah, they're all fun, right. and like. The, the other thing I wanted to say is a lot of the mindfulness programs out there have a barrier to entry. And that barrier is that you should sit for 20 minutes uninterrupted twice a day or once a day. And I have to say, I've dropped out of several of those very popular and amazing programs because that barrier actually prevented me from entering based on where I was in my life. And so 
the whole thing about Self-Care Saturday initiative is that there is no barrier to entry. Don't know anything about yoga or mindfulness? No problem. Don't have a daily practice? No problem. Only want to try some of the activities? No problem. It is truly something almost anyone can do. And I want there to be no barrier, which is why it's completely free. And speaking as a mom who's home, you know, we're, we're going out a little bit. We're essentially quarantined and I have no childcare. You know, a lot of people are in that position or, you know, even, you know, people that are essential workers that have been working the whole time, school teachers that have children that are trying to figure out what they're going to be doing. Um, a lot of the, like you're saying, there's a lot out there. Um, sometimes I find it makes me feel worse because I'm like, Ooh, should I be doing that? Would I then feel better? But I'm like, wait, I literally can't. Like I, I was telling my husband, you know, I want to write one single Instagram post on my, on my, you know, on my page and it should take maybe 15 minutes. It'll take me three hours because I'm doing interrupted. Yeah, exactly. I'm being interrupted constantly. So (laughs) I, I just, I think this is really wonderful for, you know, all those people feeling extremely overwhelmed and to make it accessible to anyone. You don't have to have that background. Right. And you can literally put it on your smart board and just press play on the videos and print each of the kids a worksheet on most of them. And um, so or nice. just do it in the, in the kitchen with your kids. Like it's, um, the, the first activity is a hand-washing meditation and I filmed it in my bathroom and like, I couldn't even use my ring light because of the reflection in the bathroom. You could see it. So <laughs> it's just, it's a real, it's not professionally shot. It is all truly just me in my home. And you and I talked about this before where like our own practices have suffered because of our lack of privacy, because we're parenting during the pandemic with young, young little ones at home. And, um, you know, when my students in this, in the summer cohort were, were looking gray and their energy was low, I didn't realize it at the time because I was riding the high of starting a new group, but I was also dropping into a dark place. I missed my friends. I missed live music. I actually missed six different live music, um, events that I had booked tickets for. Like, so it was just a lot and not having that time. And I'm a, I'm a big gym buff. I like to go to the gym and leave it on the, the court, you know? Um, and like, I go to the yoga studio every now and then. So I just really miss those outlets. And I said, well, what can, what can anyone do at any time? Things that are short, things that don't take any commitment. Um, so I'm hoping that in creating this, I will also start to walk the walk a little more because of course our practices ebb and flow and I'm trying to have compassion for myself. But, um, you know, like I said before to you, before we started the call, I'm going to start doing four-day work weeks because I work so many hours those days anyways and just start to walk the walk. And I'm not telling anyone out there that that would or would not work for you should do what I'm doing, but I am starting to already feel the changes because I'm, I'm consciously thinking about caring for myself, caring for others, and being a role model. And I think all of us need to remember we are role models if we have a social media platform. We are role models if we have children around us at any time. We are role models if we spend significant time with anyone in our lives. Everybody is being influenced by everybody in their life. So what can you do for yourself that will also be that model of look at me caring for myself because I deserve it and you deserve it because we're people and we deserve to have that level of of love toward ourselves. Well, that's it right there. I was going to ask you for a final gem, but I feel like that's it. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the thing. Um, 
and I love, you know, I've, I've seen this a few places recently. Like you don't have to be a quote unquote influencer that has a certain amount of followers on social media to influence. Like Absolutely you said, you're influencing not. whether you're on social media or not. That's not important at all. You're influencing those around you, um, by, by how you're living. And I'm going to encourage you to follow self-care Saturdays, um, that you created for everyone else. Thank but you. I Actually, think self-care it, Saturday right. with no S so, with no S yeah. self-care, self-care Saturday. Saturday. Yes. So yep. you created all these things that it sounds like, um, you can really benefit from as well. Yeah. So if people <laughs> want to sign up, they can follow the link in your description or if they go to flowandgrowkidsyoga.com. Um, there will be, I will, we'll get a pop-up going so that you'll see it right when you get on there. Um, and basically right now you'll just get a confirmation, um, and starting September 5th. So we want, I'm in New England. So we earned, you know, the Northeast, I wanted them to go out with the start of the school year. So September 5th and every Saturday from there for about 12 weeks. Um, and I just wanted to say to you, Jess, uh, I have met so many cool people because I message everyone you interview after I listen to the episode and I'm making so many cool friends that I never would have known had it not been for you. And I'm, I just really am grateful you're helping expand my community because I can tend to get really just stuck with the people I train and forget to look around and I'm looking around and I'm so inspired by all of the people showing up and doing their part. And there's so much social justice and anti-racism work and you're highlighting that. And I'm really proud of you. And I think a lot of people listening to this point are too, because otherwise they would have shut us off after five minutes. So know that (laughs) everyone who got to this point also feels that way about you. Oh, thank you so much. It really is the, the most fulfilled I've really ever felt being able to have these conversations and I'm learning so much and expanding so much. And even though, you know, I started 2020 saying, I'm going to start the podcast finally. Like I had no idea that this would, was where we were headed, <laughs> but it, I think, um, it's what's needed actually. So I'm glad that I, I had laid that groundwork back in January in our other world. Yeah, that's great. And I have to say one last thing. I'm excited to have you on my Facebook live stream. It, I think it, where you're coming on a day before this episode comes out, but if anybody um, follows Flow and Grow Kids Yoga on Facebook, uh, you'll see Jess and I, where I get to actually ask her the questions and we're going to have a conversation because I'm so happy to be on her show, but I, I cannot wait to get in her brain and have all of you hear it. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited yeah. for that conversation. Me okay, too. so we're all going to hashtag self-care Saturday. That's right. And um, we'll see if we can get the whole Kids Yoga podcast community joining along for that. I would love that. So sign up. It's totally free. Please tell your friends and teacher friends, especially parent friends, um, all of us that are running ragged and could just use a breath and some connection. Well, thank you so much, Lara. And we will obviously keep on talking, keep connecting. And thank you so much for taking the time. Take care. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or if you've listened before, there are a few ways that you can help this podcast to keep going. So first, you can click subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave a rating and a review. This will help more people find the podcast. You can follow us on social media at the Kids Yoga Podcast on Instagram 
and the Kids Yoga Podcast on Facebook. You can also email me. I love to hear your questions, comments, feedback. The Kids Yoga Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for being here, and we'll see you next week.